country. Waring's has 16 Silverados on the lot that qualify now. Don't miss out on your chance to experience the Waring way of buying a vehicle. WaringSheridan.com. Filing your taxes can be easy. Hi, this is Lance from your locally owned HR Block office. Whether you choose to file virtually, in person, or drop off, let's make it work for you. Follow your way with HR Block and get expert help at every step and a maximum refund of every dollar you deserve. And if you're getting a refund, now through the end of February, you can get up to 3500 refund advance. Stop by HR Block 1307 Coffeine or call 672-9787 for details. We've all heard that old saying, procrastinate now, don't put it off. Well, that goes for you tuning up your lawnmower at the beginning of the lawn care season, because you know you won't do it. Well, Hando says now is the time to get your mowers and tillers in to get that oil changed, belts checked, blades sharpened, and wheels greased. And remember, for a small fee, Joe Hando will come and get your machine, surface it, bring it back, cutting again like a samurai lost in a hay meadow. So don't protaskinate. See Hando's today and have that mower ready when you need it. The following message presented by First Federal Bank and Trust, Sheridan's only mutual bank. Visit efirstfederal.bank. Hello, Sheridan County. My name is McKenna Mowry, and our We the People team recently won its 11th state championship in school history. We will represent Wyoming at the national finals in Washington, D.C. in April. Now, we need your financial help. To sponsor our team, send your gift of support to Sheridan High School CEO, We the People team. Please make your check out to the SHS Booster Club. On the check memo line, please indicate your donation to We the People. Thank you and go Bronx. If you have a pet, you know they have your heart, which means every day is Valentine's Day. This is Mandy Coltisco with Century 21 BHJ Realty, and I am excited to sponsor the Happy Valentine's Day photo contest. Enter a photo of your pet or you and your pet in the Happy Valentine's Day photo contest online at SheridanMedia.com. Enter one time each day through February 24th, and the winner will receive $200 in chamber bucks. Enter now at SheridanMedia.com. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. Folks, please be careful driving on your commute this morning as that fog and ice on the road has already led to at least one accident that I know of out there on the interstate that I saw coming into work today. It's the kind of weather outside where walking on the rocks isn't even as safe as you would think it would be. Uh, They're pretty slick as well. I do want to say that Sheridan has lost a father, a husband, and a fine officer yesterday. And our hearts are with our friends at the Sheridan Police Department. I had the pleasure of meeting Sergeant Krinke on only one occasion. He was personable, informative, and a fine example of what a peace officer should aspire to be. It is my hope that this tragic loss brings the city together in honor of a good man. Please help his family by honoring Chief Koltiska's request and respect this family's privacy. Joining me this morning is Wyoming Game and Fish Department Public Information Specialist, Christina Schmidt. Good morning, Christina. Good morning. How are you doing? Sad. We're, we're doing. Sad. We're doing. Yeah, it's a sad day. Um, 
The weather's changed recently, uh, but it's it's been a very unusual year. Uh, do we have any theories as to if this would help uh, aid the recovery in some deer populations on the western side of the state? Well, it's both a simple and a complicated answer. So we we do know weather is a driving factor of big game herd health in terms of impacts to herds. Um, both uh, winter, like last year, was um, a very um, extreme example, but drought too. So um, I think one of the things that's kind of hard to wrap your mind around is you think a harsh winter is is what causes the demise of an animal, but you need to think back further to the spring and summer. Okay. That's when they're putting on their fat. So, you know, f- really they're gaining fat throughout the year and living on that fat through the winter. Okay. So just biologically, the forage that they're accessing, there's less of it in the winter. It's less nutritious. So, uh, you know, best case scenario in a mild winter, they can get through with that. Uh, if they're not having to dig through snow, they're, they're able to access forage. They don't have to move around too much. They're conserving energy, all those things. Um, so really fat is, is, you know, good habitat conditions earlier in the year are what, uh, helps determine survival in the winter. So it's interesting. So we really concerned with the summer and spring aren't anything Yes. Else. Yes. So, um, you know, that being said with all of the moisture that we got, you know, across the state last winter, this spring and summer, they did see, um, in, in various places, uh, across most of Wyoming, pretty, pretty good vegetation growth. So, um, you know, I can't speak specifically to uh, Western Wyoming, but I do know when I worked the check stations here down in Buffalo and animals came in, um, boy, they had a lot of fat. The ones around here had a lot of fat accumulated. So that was a good, I mean, that's a good sign. And of course, like you said, we've had a mild winter up until now, which is good, but boy, now we're getting to the point we need that moisture to come. So, um, this spring will be critical. You know, I, I think it's really too early to say anything like, hey, it's been a great winter and great survival. <laughs> right, right. Um, we're not out of the woods. We're yeah, not yeah. out of the woods. Um, you know, traditionally we get a lot of our moisture early springs. And, and at this point we really need it. We need some wet snows. We need some rains. Uh, we need that vegetation growth earlier in the year to help the animals get through the winter. So, um yeah, sim- simple yet complicated, right? You yeah. know, you want you want these ideal weather conditions because that's what drives habitat, and habitat drives herd health. So. And it's it's there's a lot of variables, you know. Uh, no yes. simple answer to any question when it comes to our deer population, and and that's another reason why we run these long term complicated studies. Uh, and and we've just recently uh, had some captures. To your no, to your knowledge, did those captures go well? Yes. For our mule deer monitoring project. Yes, and that you know that speaks to your question about you know will this winter be good for our animals moving forward? Um, you know, ironically, we had started this large statewide project um, f- focusing on certain herds around the state, taking a deep dive into their herd health and habitat, mortality factors, all these things. 
so last year we had collared um, about a thousand deer all around the state so lots of good data out there so it just so happened that those collars were on and we could get some data from that um, and like you said and, and we did mention last month that we were doing captures again so um, they start out uh, each year with 100 juveniles so the previous year's fawns um, and then a, a mix of bucks and does so um, right now we have about 200 animals here in the north bighorns that have collars on now those juveniles those will drop off in six months they are programmed to release oh, wow. so so they're not going to stay on long term the adults um, those collars are, are going to stay on long term until the animal dies or the end of the study or you know something happens with the battery but those those will stay on and at the end of the study get that that fine scale data. Uh, biologists can can get some of the movement data now. Um, it's just not those two hour increments that's stored on the collar, uh, but they can get a pretty good idea of, of movements um, generally as we move through this next five years. Uh, and, and then of course, if they get a mortality signal, they get right out into the field. Um, it, it's pretty amazing. Our biologists and wardens work really hard when they get a notice like that to get out um, into the field very quickly to try to determine cause of death. Um, so, you know, hit by a car or uh, predation or disease or um, body condition, you know, like last year, did they simply die? From, not, yeah. It, yeah, die from poor body condition. Or... So, um, yeah, that's really important trying to narrow down, like, what are these mortality factors? So that's a big part of the study. And then, of course, you know, having... Uh, these collars on juveniles, they'll be able to see, um, you know, who's surviving, moms, you know, how many fawns are moms having. So lots of good information uh, coming from these. But it is long-term. Uh, the study is long-term. And certainly the recovery of of the herds where you're speaking of that got really, really decimated, um, that will be long-term for sure. Um, but hopefully, you know, if if our if our weather conditions are good, our habitat conditions are good, that will give them the best chance to recover as quickly as possible. Well, I'll tell you, you know, uh, those individuals who, who come up and, and perform those captures for us, boy, they had the weather for it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure they were yes, pretty impressed. Yes, I've, I've been on some of these captures where I thought, oh, my gosh, the, the wind's going, the snow's going, and they're st- it doesn't stop them. They're still out there. But for this year, certainly... Good weather uh, and everything went fine. Man, those are some great pilots. You know, up there flying in some of that those windy conditions. It takes a lot, especially in a chomper. And all of this information is gathered uh, and basically analyzed. Uh, so much work by our individuals, our biologists, and our field officers out there trying to make sense of. Okay, well, why did they live? And why didn't they? Now we got to find the factors. Now we got to go into the area and study the area on top of everything. And we will get a lot of this information at the season setting meetings, which are coming up. Uh, For those who may not know, can you describe what these meetings are? Yeah, we've had season setting meetings, certainly in the Sheridan region at this time of year for many, many years. Um, So in March, um, and, and again, just like we're talking you know, these animals' health is on a year-round basis. Our wardens and biologists are collecting information on a year-round basis. So they they use all of the information they're gathering 
um, throughout the year to come up with season proposals for the upcoming hunting season. So that's what these are, our proposals. Um, basically, they collect all the data, um, you know, between harvest surveys, check stations, any disease results they have, uh, conversations with hunters, conversations with landowners, lots of information coming in. Uh, they'll look at all the different hunt areas, look at license allocations, maybe season length, um, any kind of tweak they you know might uh, be required for that year's season um, based on what they've gathered through the past year. So what happens is we have a series of open houses. We start with open houses where um, have one in Buffalo, Casey, Sheridan, and Gillette, because of course the Sheridan region administratively we run from the top of the Bighorns all the way out to Moorcroft oh, wow. and, and down to Casey. So that is our administrative region. So even though we're the Sheridan region, it extends quite a ways uh, up. Yeah, a big corner of Northeast Wyoming. So that is all part of our region. So we do have meetings in each of those communities, and, and basically it's it's an informal opportunity to come and uh, see the printed proposal. So we'll have a copy of everything, and it's come and go. It'll be 4 to 7 at each of those locations, and, and we'll get to the dates in a minute, but anytime between 4 and 7, people can drop in, read through these proposals for whatever they're interested in, deer or elk or just antelope, whatever, um, and they have the opportunity then to visit with the local biologist, Mortens, who, you know, they can share their opinion. We'll have written comment sheets there, um, and the comment sheets are all provided to our commissioners. So the commissioners are the ones that set the final seasons, and they will do that at their meeting in April. And so this is really just public information gathering with these meetings. Um, getting public feedback on what they think of the proposed seasons. Based on that feedback, there may or may not be some tweaks. And then uh, there's a final season setting meeting in Sheridan, the very final one where we present, here's what we are going to go to the commission with. Um, and, and that is more of an actual presentation. So the open houses are informal, come, conversate. information. Yeah, ask questions have a conversation, and then that final one will be a presentation. That being said, uh, in the past couple of years, our biologists have also put together a video presentation that we've posted online. So folks who can't make the meeting can still see, okay, here's what the proposals are and the rationale behind any changes that may or may not be made. So, And they can still comment on that as well, can't they? Yes. So... Um, you know, one thing we remind folks when they come, you know, when you're having the conversation with the biologist or warden, that's not necessarily going to get passed. I mean, they're going to take that into account, but that doesn't go to the commission. So that's why we have the written forms so people can actually write down. We collect all of those at every meeting. All of those get sent, and this is statewide. All of those get sent to the commission for their review so they can see what people's thoughts are. Um, and then there's an online submission option as well. So Again, if you can't make the meeting, you can still watch these presentations online, and they're broken down by wildlife district area. So for our area, we have a Gillette biologist, a Buffalo biologist, and a Sheridan biologist. So depending on where you hunt, you can look, or even if you hunt elsewhere in the state, you can look up that particular area. The biologist will go through proposals, rationale behind it, 
and then you could make an online comment at that point too. Now, these the majority of these meetings are actually held right there at the regional office. Well, actually, so the Sheridan one will be at the Sheridan Regional Office. Uh, Buffalo, KC, and Gillette, we actually hold those um, at the libraries, generally. So um, the past couple years, anyway, that may change in the future, but usually we try to have them at the library. Enough room to get everybody yeah, in there. Yeah, there's usually a good meeting room. Folks are familiar with the location. Um, they're open in those evening hours. Uh you know, we're, we're trying to accommodate folks getting off work, so that's why we have that four to seven window. So if you get off at five, want to go home, grab a bite to eat, come at six, you're certainly welcome to do that. And a couple things real quick, folks. I have attended, uh, I think, two of these, and they are extremely informative, and they really do give you a fantastic opportunity to sit with Game and Fish personnel and really add your two cents. You know what I mean? I really did appreciate that when I covered these over in Buffalo years ago, but I did enjoy those. And another thing, you can watch the majority of these commission meetings. Uh, You can see these take place via video by going to the Wyoming Game and Fish website. Those are there. If you want to be informed on what's going on with our, our Wyoming Game and Fish department, on what's going on with our wildlife, boy, I mean, they're long. But they've got a lot of ground to cover. So sitting back and just watching those will inform you uh, better than most. I'll say that. All right. We'll return with more from our Wyoming Game and Fish right after this. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 F. Have you ever wondered what makes First Federal Bank and Trust unique? We're a mutual bank, which means our focus is on you. Unlike other banks, we don't pay shareholders, we pay our community. At First Federal Bank and Trust, your financial interests drive our decisions. Bank with us and experience the mutual bank difference, where the power of community fuels your financial success. First Federal Bank and Trust is Sheridan's only mutual bank, member FDIC. Shop, donate, volunteer. Ahoy there, mateys. It's Arnold the Pirate speaking to you from the ReStore, where we've been slashing prices of furniture, appliances, cabinets, and items for your yard. We have the best deals on the seven seas, and when you spend your doubloons here, the proceeds go to building homes right here in Sheridan County. So come see us today, the ReStore, 44 Fort Road. Um, what's a pirate's favorite letter? No, it's not the R, it's the C. (laughs) Great news. The oil change special at Midas has gone over so well, it's been extended through the end of February. Buy one oil change, get a second one free to use by March. A perfect deal to share with a family member. With the oil change, Midas gives your car a thorough inspection to identify any problems. If you need further repairs, you could save 50 bucks off a purchase of 400 or more with a new Midas credit card application, plus six months, 0% interest. Keeping you safely on the road while saving you money. Midas Tire and Auto and Sheridan. 
You've earned the right to relax. Now find the comfort you deserve during the Lazy Boy President's Day sale at Carol's Furniture. Sofa starting at $13.49. A large selection of recliners starting at just $5.29. Power and temper upgrades are available on select styles. Apply for credit at carolsfurniture.com and get instant results. Spend less, relax more during the Lazy Boy President's Day sale at Carol's Furniture. 340 North Main in downtown Sheridan and on social media. Experience Learner and Lowe's magical tale about following your heart and the power of love at Sheridan County High School. Learner and Lowe's Brigadoon is the enchanting and beloved Broadway and West End musical featuring such standards as Almost Like Being in Love, Come to Me, Bend to Me, and Heather on the Hill. New Yorker Tommy Albright unexpectedly arrives at the mysterious Scottish Highland village of Brigadoon, which only appears for one day every 100 years. When Tommy meets and falls in love with Fiona, a beautiful villager in this magical hamlet, he must decide whether to return to his old life or stay in Brigadoon forever. Performances will be held in the Sue Henry Theater for the Performing Arts at Sheridan High School on February 22nd and 23rd at 7.15 p.m., with two shows on February 24th at 2 p.m. featuring the swing cast and again at 7.15 p.m. with the primary cast. Tickets will be on sale starting February 11th. Contact Sheridan High School at 307-674-7405 or at www.scsd2.com. Tickets are $12 in advance and at the door. Special thanks to our sponsors, Sheridan Media, Bighorn Design, Epiphany, McGillicuddy Media Productions, Craftco Metalworks, and the Wild Theater. Learner and Lau's Brigadoon is performed with permission from MTI. Welcome back to Public Pulse. I'm Floyd Whiting, and this morning we're speaking with Wyoming Game and Fish Department Public Information Specialist Christina Schmidt. In the first part of our show, Christina gave us some information on the upcoming season-setting meetings. If you missed it, times, dates, locations will be found with this show later today on our website. Uh, I'll do a story on this so you can find all of that information at sharedinmedia.com later today we'll make sure that that's up on facebook as well we don't want you to miss these meetings uh moving on down the line christina what is happening with the access yes program enrollment this is the time of year when it is open for uh landowners who are interested in the program to get signed up um i think hunters and anglers are quite familiar uh, with access yes it has been oh gosh more than 20 years now i think uh, that it's been up and running and its focus is um creating uh, this relationship between landowners hunters anglers the department to get access for folks to recreate uh, hunt and fish on private land so uh, the two uh, big programs that folks are most familiar with are probably the walk-in hunting areas or the hunter management areas, um, and then, of course, walk-in fishing as well. So walk-in is pretty much what it sounds like. So a landowner uh, basically chooses, uh, works with our access coordinator to choose you know, what part of their property, some or all that they want open, what species folks could pursue, what time of year within the open seasons. So, um, you know, within the open season, they could choose, you know, maybe some at the beginning, maybe some at the end. It's very flexible. It's meant to be very flexible for landowners. Um, In the end, so these walk-in areas, um, hunters then have to have a valid hunting or fishing license for whatever they're pursuing on that property. Just check our website make sure the property is open, what it's open for, and then you can access those properties for no fee. Um, There are ranch rules that go with 
every property they they may want you to park in a certain area and walk here or i uh, think that's totally know. fair yeah, yeah so there are specific ranch rules so we encourage folks you know make sure you read those before you go out and all of the other um, etiquette for uh, recreating on someone else's property you know not littering closing gates those kinds of things um but what this allows is the landowner to um, meet management goals on their property. Um, you know, if they have interest in, you know, maybe what they want elk harvested or deer harvested. Um, again, they're going to work with that access coordinator to uh, figure out how best to reach those goals. The walk-in allows folks to just, again, come and go. So they're not contacting the landowner. The landowner doesn't have to get phone calls from people asking. It's more of a hands-off. It's a hands-off Um Folks know they can just go, and, and we provide maps and all of that. So great service. Uh, we do have many of those around the state. You can get online and, and look at those. Hunter management areas are a little more controlled, so those do require a um, permission slip. It's a free permission slip, but you get those on our website, and that just helps control the flow of people going onto the property. So there may be two permission slips a day. Maybe on a larger property, it might be eight permission slips a day, something like that. So it's a little more controlled. These places tend to be larger properties. There may or may not be vehicle access on these. Um, Again, you still don't need to contact the landowner, but you do need to go through our website to get that permission slip. And um, have that Reserve your space, yep. yeah, just a little more controlled, uh, but again, it 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 provides opportunity for the public. Um, landowners uh, do get reimbursed from the department on a per acre basis. Um, you know, they will have extra law enforcement presence. Um, you know, just making sure people are following the rules Absolutely. that are established, uh, and again, get help meeting those management goals on their property if they're wanting. Um, to get more harvest and, and things like that. So it, it is set up to be very flexible, um, as easy as possible for the landowners and, and as easy as possible for hunters and anglers. So, And correct me if I'm wrong, but there is a Access Yes application that you can have on your phone, and you can know almost exactly where you're at due to GPS due to this application, correct? Well, so... Am I wrong in that? There are apps you can get... Um, that are very specific that show you where you are property-wise. Um, on our website, we have, through our public access tab, an interactive map. Maybe that's what you're referring I think maybe that's to, what I'm thinking that you of, can yeah. zoom in. We used to print maps, but of course, like you said, everyone now has a phone. And, um, and so you can look on your phone, interactive map, figure out where you want to go. And these properties are all very well signed as well. So when you get to the area, again, there's usually a place where parking is designated and there are signs right there and the property is signed so that you know where you are. We do the best we can to try to make it easy for folks to know where they're at, either digitally or on the ground with those signs Um, because it it is the responsibility of hunters to know where they're at Mm -hmm. when they're hunting. Um, So definitely worth researching that. But there are tools out there to help you for sure. Ah, The advent of modern technology, my friend. Now something else that's coming up, so many artists look forward to this every single year, the Conservation Stamp Art Show. Uh, Christina, what do we need to know? 
Yeah, we have a lot of artists in oh, Sheridan, right? Yeah, so um, great opportunity for those folks. Um, so every year, for many, many years now, we have uh, featured a different species on our conservation stamp. Uh, folks may remember it used to be an actual physical stamp that you purchased and affixed to your license. Last time I went hunting, it was. Okay, so... Um, it was a beautiful little stamp. You put it on your license, carried it with you, and, and again, it changes each year with a different species. The past couple of years, we went to digital instead, so um, you still can purchase these as prints through our store, and people do. They are quite a collector's item. Um, people, In fact, someone made a wonderful donation to us a couple of years ago of all of these prints that they, oh, wow. they had purchased one every year for years and years, and were downsizing and said, hey, would you like these? So... Um, there are people that collect these every single year, um, so that's how it's done now. Um, but we still feature a species, a new species each year, and open it up for artists to submit a rendering of that species. So um, this year on the stamp is a beaver. For this contest for next year, it is the western tanager. Now, this is just a little guy, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's not a very big bird. No, it is a beautiful songbird, uh, primarily black and yellow with a red-orange head. Just a stunning, beautiful bird. It is so, a beautiful bird. Yeah, it should be a fun one for artists to uh, recreate. So, um, rulebook is online. There's tons of, of instructions for, for artists, but I guess the important thing is March 31st at 5 p.m. is that deadline. Uh, go to our website, take a look. Um, it has to, it can't be a photo. It does have to be an actual original artwork, um, either in color or black and white. Um, so there's, uh, it, you know, in a couple different mediums, uh, does have to be original, does have to be in a certain format and a certain size. So make sure you go in and read all of that uh, to make sure uh, that you're going to fall within those guidelines. And of course, there are monetary prizes. Um, and past couple years, we also started a uh, contest for kids as tell well. Me about, tell me about that kids <laughs> Yeah, concept. so w this one is a little different. The kids can, um, it's by grade. So it's broken down like kindergarten through second, third through fifth, that kind of thing. Um, so it's, it's all by grade level. And kids have the same subject, right? They still have the Western Tanager, but they get to do their own rendering and uh, send it in. And uh, teachers also can have their class do it. So if That's you're, a great class project. It's a great class project. So if you're an art teacher, you guys can study the bird, it's biology, it's life history, all those things, and uh, submit as a class if you want your, um, your artwork, your student's artwork. And there is cash prizes. There are cash prizes for could, the kiddos, too. Yeah. Um, and uh, there will be a virtual award show, too, that everyone can participate in. And they have a little different deadline, April 10th, so they got a little bit more time. But again, if you get online, if you go to our website, there's um, a link at the top that says Get Involved. And from there, there's a contest and awards link. And you can look at the conservation stamp show um, and separate guideline books for the kids and for the adults. I think that would be a great class project to learn about the bird and then be able to draw it and submit it. And who knows what's going to happen. 
Christina, it is always a pleasure having you on, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Please drive safe when you head out there. Who knows Will what's going to happen. <laughs> All right, when you come back, we will speak with Sheridan College Coordinator of Music Theory and Technology, Dr. Christian Erickson. Stick with us. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Sheridan. Have you ever wondered what makes First Federal Bank and Trust unique? We're a mutual bank, which means our focus is on you. Unlike other banks, we don't pay shareholders, we pay our community. At First Federal Bank and Trust, your financial interests drive our decisions. Bank with us and experience the mutual bank difference, where the power of community fuels your financial success. First Federal Bank and Trust is Sheridan's only mutual bank, member FDIC. Outdoor winter activities can be hard on your eyes, so protect them just as you do in the summer. At Eye Care of the Bighorns, you'll find high-quality sunglasses from brand names like Maui Jim, Prada, Ray-Ban, and Costa. They carry a wide range of both prescription and non-prescription sunglasses, with some designs created for specific sports or hobbies in mind like snowshoeing, skiing, and ice fishing. Stop by Eye Care of the Bighorns, 1033 Coffee Avenue in Sheridan, and online at eyecareofthebighorns.com. Wrap Plumbing and Heating can handle any job you have, big or small. From new construction to a pesky leaking toilet, the professionals at Wrap Plumbing and Heating are here to assist you. Drippy faucet? Sure. New shower hardware? No problem. Plumbing an entire new house? For sure. Logs that need snaked? Oh yeah. Wrap Plumbing and Heating has not met a job they can't handle. Too big a crap? Call Dan Rapp at 429-1196. Moss Holders is offering huge doorbusters this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Select recliners are just $345. Get a queen storage bed for only $495. Sofa start at $545 or choose a large sectional for only $1095. All non-doorbusters are on sale too. Whether you find your favorite piece in stock or need to special order, every single purchase is on sale this President's Day weekend. That's Moss Holders President's Day sale this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Moss Holders, furniture is our passion. Day will soon be here. What a great time to shop Montana Silversmiths for your sweetheart. Your largest and most complete selection is found at Shipton's Big R. Jewelry, buckles, gifts, plus a lot more. Celebrate treasured moments with Montana Silversmiths and tie them to life events, personal milestones, and of course, love stories for him, for her. Earrings, necklaces, bracelets, jewelry sets, money clips, and more. Our entire Montana Silversmith selection is now on sale. 15% off Rooted in the West with handcrafted detail. Montana Silversmiths for Valentine's Day. It's now on sale at Shipton's Big R on Sugarland Drive in Sheridan. We're family friendly company, branded with quality. Shipton's Big R. Morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, proudly brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. For our second part this morning, I am joined by Sheridan College Coordinator of Music Theory and Technology, Dr. Christian Erickson. Good morning, Doc, and welcome back to the show. Good morning, Floyd. 
Uh, how's how's the semester been going out there at the college? Uh, we're super busy. Um, we're our April is going to be insane. We have a glut of content happening at the WCA, and uh, a lot of concerts coming up. So, is that kind of the beginning of your season? I mean, if you guys were say that you had a performance season, is it more of a spring or winter? Um, we we start having our big concerts um, about October, and uh, and then of course that ramps up into the holidays and then uh then it's quiet for a little bit and uh as we start classes and start rehearsals then it kind of starts all over in the spring and on goes the cycle now what we're going to talk about today folks is a performance probably unlike a lot of people have seen first let's talk about who is paula z uh, it's Pamela Z. Pamela Z. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, my, uh, I apologize. Pamela yes. Z. So Pamela Z uh, is a composer and a vocalist uh, and will be in concert at Sheridan College on February 24th at 7 p.m. And she is, is I guess, more on the avant-garde side. Uh, the music's a little experimental, but it's still very accessible she will use extended vocal techniques to create these. Uh, in essence, she's like recording herself on the fly and having that processed on electronics and she's interacting with it and she can control all of this um, processing that's happening in real time rather than, you know, something that you would do in a studio. And the result are these, these kind of soundscapes where, um, You've got this immersive environment. Sometimes she uses visuals. So it's a very multimedia experience. And it's almost like um, she's not quite, uh, it's not quite a musical performance, um, but it's also sort of an art performance and, um, you know, a a live uh, soundscape creation happening before your ears and eyes. And I wouldn't say dance, but there's definitely some movement involved as a lot of the stuff that she's, uh, from what I've seen, uh, a lot of the things that she's interacting with are almost kind of motion sensing around her. So she'll record some sounds. She'll put all of that together by moving her body and able to cue certain sounds at certain points uh, at the same time. Uh, all you know, also performing with her own voice while doing all of this together. I mean, from what I heard uh, this morning, it it was very mood setting. You know, uh, something that I would have on in the background anywhere. It it was beautiful and almost at times haunting. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's beautifully haunting. Yeah. Uh, when was the first time you saw this type of? performance or technology i haven't seen anyone take it to this level you know in person wow and i i first heard about her when i was in grad school at um the early 2000s at cu boulder and my one of my professors there was telling me about her and so i i was like you know it's it's always been someone i wanted to try to get here to the college to interact with our students and of course to um give the opportunity for our community to see something like this that normally you'd, you'd have to be at a big city 
to experience it. Um, but yeah, her movement, uh, you know, what she's doing is triggering the sound manipulation using, uh, she's got these things on her wrists. They're, they're like um, EKG sensors that you might see in medical machinery, as far as I understand it. It's such she, a great accumulation <laughs> of tech to make great sound. It's great. Yeah, she calls it her body synth, as in body synthesizer. And so it'll send impulses that she she creates by, you know, motioning her hands very elegantly, almost like a conductor, right? Yeah. And that'll send um, messages to her computer, and that will trigger samples and trigger processing, and all of this, again, happening in real time and and without any pre-recorded elements. It's absolutely fascinating. Now, um, I, I've got some other questions for you, but I would really like the audience to hear uh, just exactly what type of music she likes to compose. Now, folks, this is uh, a, a little quiet, and as I said, it's it's very mood setting. Uh, and doctor, I will be asking you some questions over top of the sound. Just hey, what uh, what is she doing at this point? Because we don't get the visuals uh, on radio, uh, but know that she's moving during this performance. Steve, if you would uh, do me the favor and fire that up for us, please. <laughs> pre-recorded right there on the spot correct yes she, and she'll capture it um, so you'll get a little of her voice unadulterated and then that will be sent to a essentially a like a memory buffer to the computer and then she'll have some other processes set up that will start looping them and adding this kind of ethereal reverb to it and so it just builds up into this It is such a beautiful, haunting sound. And and to watch her in this video, uh, the way she moves, you really see the correlation between her movement and the sound that she's producing. It makes me think that if she was jutting around or moving quickly, something totally different would be produced. Yeah, I, I would think so. Um, I, I'm looking so forward to learning her dark arts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's almost like magic when she gets up there and does that. Um, so we're going to really grill her <laughs> with questions when she comes. And and she's going to be, uh, she's going to take some time with our students up there. Yep. She is going to visit with them on the, on the Friday before the concert. And uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what she has planned, but I'm, it'll be fascinating. I'm sure. What an extremely rare opportunity uh for our students to be able to uh sit and speak with someone who's inventing as she goes uh as a you know and and this isn't a, a devaluation or discredit to any other musician but she's really on the forefront yes of something brand new yeah um it's i i've seen some other um unconventional controllers like that used in a, a live situation, but it's, this is just, I mean, way beyond anything that. Yeah. That, uh, Do you remember when you started to see this type of performance, uh, kind of rise into public view? 
Well, I, I think it kind of, with the turn of the century, although that sounds really old now. <laughs> I know, I know. We're getting up there, um, my friend. Is where you started seeing this because the, the computers prior to that didn't have the processing power to do this stuff in real time. And so I think that's where these experimental musicians really latched onto the technology where, you know, you didn't have to wait for a sound to process offline, essentially, mm-hmm. and take five minutes to get your output when it could be processed quickly and in a real-time situation. Then you started seeing the use of computers in live performance more often. We really kind of moved away from the 1970s and 80s synthesizer into something brand new. Yeah, yeah. This is this is something that uh, you just don't see every day. And I, I didn't even think about that. You're right. The computer said to catch up. Yeah. Um, because her movement, uh, as, as soon as she moves, that, that sound changes. Yep. And the mood can change. Uh, and it's all... Once again, I cannot impart on you enough, uh, folks. Each movement kind of creates a different sound, and she's kind of surrounded by technology and equipment as as she's doing this. Not out of view. You can see her because I think the movement is is definitely part of that performance. Yeah, she does have a nice little command central with a lot of uh, um, you know MIDI controllers, and and of course she's surrounded by microphones too. So I think that she can be mobile on stage yeah and and you know might be captured over here and later captured on another part of the her her uh, setup i would imagine and as a composer you've composed mm-hmm. sat down wrote beautiful music how do you write this kind of music can <laughs> you write this kind of music or is this taking us into a new age in I, a way i did uh i did a collaboration with um dr rachel bergman who was at the college at uh a few years ago and for flute and electronics. In fact, I think she's going to perform it in Minneapolis this spring. And for me, the process was pretty challenging just because I'm, I'm a more conventional composer as far as um, writing for, you know, acoustic instruments, but I have my foot in the technology side too. So it just, it takes a, a little more planning than just a regular piece. Uh, and, a lot of like running it over and over, <laughs> practicing to make sure it works in real time for the for the performer. Uh, so there's it's almost like a little bit like computer programming in that you're you're constantly looking for bugs or timing issues, that sort of thing. So that's fast. I never you know uh, imagined somebody trying to play long, and and oh we got a buffer. <laughs> yeah, know, or yeah, something horrible yeah. like that, or it's know? like a, a, an effect will come in too soon. Yeah, and and the the musical events will misalign. <laughs> the the electronic like, version uh, of a broken string. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's just fascinating to me. Where do you see this type of new music? This this new performance. Where do you think it's going? <sighs> I I. I keep failing to predict because it, it just seems like it changes every year so radically. There's, there's things that we, you know, couldn't, couldn't foresee coming. And I, I think this is sort of echoed in this whole uncertainty about AI right now. Oh. Um, I, I, I see there's some potential not, not to ask, you know, type in to a, a bot, you know, you know, uh, write me a symphony, but to use it in conjunction somehow with what, a human is creating yeah uh, 
I think that's really exciting, and that's going to be a topic of some discussion in the, in the next few years. You know, uh, the, the conversations around artificial intelligence, or what we're calling artificial intelligence, uh, um, they're always kind of, oh, well, they're going to steal that, or they're going to steal this. Uh, because in a way, it's, it's a bit odd for us right now. Yeah. Um, but I never once sat back and thought, well, they can, they can play along with me. You yeah, know? Right. But I'm, I'm sure somebody out there right now is trying to develop something like this, as you said, where now I've got, I've got my synthesized uh, orchestra or my AI orchestra that I can, I can test maybe even a composition. Sure, yeah. Or uh, it might it might interact with you. It might um, react to things that you are playing live. Um, that could be really exciting. Almost like a, a on the moment, you know, kind of a improv improvisation yeah. uh, that the way BB King used to do. You know, where it's like, okay, where are you at as far as that note? I will travel and meet you there. Right. That is an interesting concept, and and seems how music is linked so much in scales and mathematics and, and geometry. And it's this, this beautiful composition of the scientific world around us. And a lot of people don't look at music that way, but I, I try to. Uh, it's a bit beyond me, but I really try to give it a, a shot. Um, it's interesting to consider where AI could take this. Yeah, we're really in this sort of nascent stage of the technology. It's it's so early right now, and it's changing so quickly. I yeah, it's it's futile to really predict where we'll be at in one, two, five years from now. It's one of those things we try to predict something, and you and I are going to be completely wrong. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> but it's beautiful in a sense because there are such great creative imaginations out there taking us into the forefront. Uh, just just like a Pamela Z here, you know, who could have seen this coming? So, Doc, can you uh, let us know when is this performance going to be held? So, yes, this performance will be a week from this Saturday, uh, February 24th at 7 o'clock in the Whitney Center for the Arts, Kinison Hall. And the tickets are $30 for adults, 20 for seniors and veterans, and 10 for students and teachers. So if you are interested, and I would highly recommend you at least go to PamelaZ.com and check out what this woman does. Um, or you can also visit Sheridan.edu slash arts or call our box office at 307-675-0360 for tickets. Folks, this is a very rare opportunity. Um, I would suggest if, if you love music, any kind of music, Go to this show. You know, this this isn't something that you're going to see uh, a, in the recent future. Um, I, w I would suggest take advantage of it while it's here. Uh, I don't have a lot of time with you, Doc, but one more question before I let you go. You guys up there, the music department, probably one of my favorite departments up you guys are always working on something. What are you working on this year? Um, I'm... Me personally, I'm I'm working on our uh, working with our music technology ensemble, who is going to greatly benefit from Pamela Z's uh, uh, visit. Uh, we are a group that uses any sort of technology to create either original works or reimagining of other works. Uh, it started out sort of as a an iPad band, 
if you will, because there's so many apps that, that you can use to make music, but it's sort of mutated into, um, any, just anything that'll make noise. And, um, we, we also try to incorporate a multimedia element. So our, our concerts tend to have projections and, oh, fun. and, uh, there are other processing that's happening live as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and hopefully we'll see that show yeah, uh, sometime definitely. soon. Doc, I want to thank you so much for taking time to be with us this morning. You're welcome. Fascinating new realm of music. Uh, I I love the things that are new. Please be safe driving back up to the school. It's it's slick out there. (laughs) You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Sheridan. ever wondered what makes First Federal Bank and Trust unique? We're a mutual bank, which means our focus is on you. Unlike other banks, we don't pay shareholders. We pay our community. At First Federal Bank and Trust, your financial interests drive our decisions. Bank with us and experience the mutual bank difference, where the power of community fuels your financial success. First Federal Bank and Trust is Sheridan's only mutual bank. Member FDIC. February is the month of love because when it comes to love, every moment is a gem. Legacy Diamond and Gems invites you to celebrate your timeless bond. Shop their exquisite collection of diamonds and gems, each telling a unique story. You'll find the perfect gift that fits your budget and expresses your love. Legacy Diamond and Gems crafting timeless memories. Visit today and let your love shine brighter than ever at 11 North Main Street in downtown Sheridan. Brace yourself for some unbelievable financing news from Waring Sheridan Chevrolet. 2.9% financing for up to 72 months on new 2023 and 24 Chevy half-ton Silverados with approved credit from GM Financial. From LTs to Trail Boss up to High Country, Waring's has 16 Silverados on the lot that qualify now. Don't miss out on your chance to experience the Waring way of buying a vehicle. WaringSheridan.com. Wake up and smell the coffee lovers. McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo and Gillette are bringing back the McCafe menu magic. Delightful espresso drinks and coffees. Whether you crave the warmth of a hot cappuccino or caramel cappuccino, mochas, lattes, iced coffees and more, you can order your McCafe coffee right from the McDonald's app using mobile order and pay for a quick pickup. Your mornings just got a whole lot better with the Stock 930 KROE. Good day. Now on 103.9 FM. KROE.